Donald Trump files a class action lawsuit against Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Will the former president's battle cry in the fight against censorship resurrect debate over Section 230 and copyright reform? All this and more on today's episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP. Today's episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP is brought to you by The Patent Lawyer Magazine. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on in the world of IP and patents, go to www.patentlawyermagazine.com. Each issue is free to read for up to eight weeks. That's www.patentlawyermagazine.com for global news in the world of patents. All right, Tom, once again, we get to talk about everybody's favorite or least favorite president and still keep the discussion related to IP. So that's the key. That's right. That's the key thing right there. So when I got up this morning, I didn't think I'd be spending uh, an hour and 10 minutes figuring out what 230 of the Communication Decency Act of 1996 was. And when you and I got out of the pool this morning at 7.30, I think it was, after our workout, uh, I wasn't bracing myself for this, but it was like a rapid fire of information for an hour and 10 minutes, trying to figure out how Trump's action relates to copyrights. And basically, let me just frame it, okay? So 230 of the Communication Decency Act of 1996 has two provisions that I've been thinking about. One, and I'm just going to read them here, right? Okay, this is like a quick summary of them. One is no provider or user of um, of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Okay, so this is to prevent them from being sued, I guess, for you know whatever words are published or videos are published on their platform, right? Uh-huh. But... And this is kind of foreshadowing 10 minutes down in our podcast, right? And that is, it doesn't seem to exempt them from vicarious copyright infringement. At least this doesn't, okay? Now, remember, this was 1996. You were, were you even born yet, Ray? Oh, I I was born. I was born. Okay. Yeah. So 1996, uh, though. I was seven. Seven, okay. These are the early days of the internet. You know, like the internet is just emerging. Yeah, a lot of people didn't even know what dot com was in 1996. You know, this is like really early days. So, so the next provision is no provide that's relevant here. Uh-huh. No provider shall be held liable for any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability availability of material that provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd lascivious, filthy, I love that one, the word filthy, just generally filthy, right? Excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected, okay? So interesting, so the first one that's interesting is it doesn't seem to exclude vicarious copyright infringement. The second component, I noticed, means that they can take down infringing material without trial or or other adjudication, right? I mean, the thing was intended maybe for other reasons, but it it does touch copyrights. Trump's action doesn't, okay? Can you go back a second? Because there's one thing I didn't understand in that. 
Sure. Uh, when you say they can take down, do you mean Twitter, social, Facebook, social, social media, social media platforms? Yes, okay. they can take it down, right? If they can censor their own. Yeah, platform. they can. Well, yeah. Keep in mind. I mean, the the big picture is the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says that the that that the government, you know, basically Congress shall make no laws that restrict freedom of speech, right? And that applies to the states through the 14th Amendment. But it doesn't say private enterprises can't do that, right? Okay. So I'm only going to talk about the Trump situation for a moment, only because that's what got us thinking about this, right? right. Yeah. So his basic complaint seems to be that it's censorship. Somehow it's government censorship. And what kind of strengthens his case a little bit on governments, keep in mind, these are private organizations but either you could say they're so big and so powerful that they're kind of like quasi-government organizations. And that sentiment is sort of strengthened by what the Biden administration is doing right now, which is they're working with Facebook to, as they say, flag problematic posts that spread disinformation. So right. it's almost like the government is partnering with this private organization, which is Facebook, to censor, right? So the argument of whether Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are private is a little tiny bit fuzzy, which is, I think, what the Trump administration and others, he's not the only plaintiff on these cases. There are other, maybe they're tokens, but there are other, there are other plaintiffs as well. I have, but, I have a side question that might be a bit of a tangent, but when the company, the private company or a private company is working with the government in some form or another, is, is that making them akin to like a, like a public with utility? Because I know, um, aren't there similar restrictions or there's, there, there's some arguments being made that are trying to make the social media companies somewhat on the same level as like the phone companies? Okay, well, well keep in mind, when we're talking about the First Amendment, and again, we're gonna get to IP, but when we're talking about the First Amendment, originally, go back in time, like right after the Constitution was ratified by the states, they passed the Bill of Rights. And the First Amendment was the, the free, it includes free speech, among other things. But initially, it only applied to the federal government, right? Because it's a federal constitution, not a state constitution. Over time, that was applied to the states through the 14th Amendment. Right. So, it didn't, it wasn't intended for the states, but now it applies to the states. The next leap, it seems, will be can it also be applied to any private organizations that have become so big, like you said, that maybe they're akin to a government organization, right? And we don't know. We don't know at this point. And, and maybe the Trump lawsuit will ferret that information out. It's a great question, though, right? Because look at, and by the way, I, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump, you know, I'm not anti-Trump. I'm truly a moderate. So I don't have a dog in this fight. But if you look at what happened to Trump in, in uh, January when he was blocked from Twitter and Facebook, and uh, I don't know if he was blocked from Instagram but and others, I haven't heard anything from the guy in, what, five months so it has truly shut him down. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure people that are like really hardcore Trumpers, they're listening to whatever areas, you know, post his stuff. But I'm just a regular moderate kind of guy. And I don't hear anything about him anymore. So it has truly 
stop free speech of a former president. So I don't know what the result's going to be, but it seems to me that this is an area that should be litigated. But let's go to the IP part, okay? Because why does any of this have to do with IP? Because when you first sent me this, I thought, Ray, you're totally off base here, right? This doesn't apply to IP. Wow, I surprised you. I, you I love it. You totally surprised me. So, I'm on But it. then I looked, and the person who brings it into the IP context is a guy named Thom Tillis. He's a Republican senator from North Carolina. I think he's like in his first term. He's the chair of the IP subcommittee. And he's like pretty much advocating and he's like sending letters to Jack Dorsey. He's he's really been an advocate of social media platforms to stop copyright infringement. OK, yeah. so the, the question. So, in fact, he says, here's what his quote is, which I think he's off base, but we'll talk about why his quote is. Don't you think that if Twitter can track and take down political content, that it also has the ability to take down content that infringes the IP of hardworking American creators? Okay, so basically he's saying, you know, if you can, if you're skilled and capable of censoring political discussion, why can't you stop infringement? Okay, so so when I read that, my first thought was Thom Tillis has no idea what is involved in IP and taking down infringing stuff. He has no idea what he's talking about. But then I quickly did a a Wikipedia search on his background, and he's actually a pretty smart guy. He worked for, uh, he worked for Price, I think Price Waterhouse or one of the big, um, big accounting consulting firms. Then he worked for IBM. I mean, then he became became a partner at like Price Waterhouse or something. I might be wrong. It might've been Anderson, but one of those, he became a partner. He's clearly a bright guy, right? So then I thought, okay, what's he thinking? So he's saying that essentially the fact that platforms are exercising political censorship undermines their excuse for failing to stop copyright infringement. But what I'm saying is those are two totally different things. And here's why. If I want to stop people from talking about uh, election fraud or COVID, right? I can search posts for election fraud and COVID, and I can kind of like scroll through them. If anything doesn't abide by my agenda, I can shut it down. But think about copyright infringement, right? How do you know what is infringing a copyright and what isn't infringing a copyright? You can't do a search on copyright infringement, right? right. There'd be no text on that. You can't search for any specific stuff because how do you know what's protected by copyright? You know, if you're a big platform, you have no way of knowing if something is infringing a copyright. You have a suspicion if someone sends you a takedown request, right? right. Hey, they're infringing my copyright. You still don't know because it hasn't been adjudicated, but right. you have a suspicion. But in terms, but to say that if you can political, if you can censor political discussion, you can find and stop infringers. That just seems totally different to me. I'm not saying they can't do it. These are brilliant technologists that can come up with magical ways of doing stuff. I'm just saying Thom Tillis seems to be mistaken that they're the same. It's like comparing apples and oranges. It's just two totally different problems to solve. Perhaps a better argument would be that they could be doing better than they are. Or they could be putting more resources into it, maybe, or something like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're enthusiastic enough to put money into this, maybe you could put money into that. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a perfectly fine argument. It's a better argument than saying, you know, if you can build a bridge from Grand Island to, uh, you know, across the Niagara River, you can also build a spaceship. Just two totally different things, right? And we can clearly do both. Humanity can do both, but it's different people, it's different skills, it's a totally different thing. So anyway, you know, it got me thinking, okay? What, first of all, let's, are they even infringing, right? Are these platforms doing anything in the area of copyright infringement? So we know or the, user, or the, the user. platforms. Yeah, the platform. Yeah, users might be infringing. I mean, what is copyright infringement? If you if you make a copy, if you distribute a copy, if you make a derivative work, those are actions of copyright infringement. So if Ray, you made the movie Buffalo Boys, right? Yeah. Great movie, by the way. I love that movie, Buffalo Boys. You I'm going to give you a plug Amazon on that. Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime. It's free to watch. That's right. So, I got but Buffalo Boys. It up. Yeah, if if Buffalo Boys, if I take Buffalo Boys and I post it, I'm infringing your copyright in Buffalo Boys, right? The question is, if I post it on Twitter as a video, right, or your Facebook or something. Are they committing copyright infringement? Well, we just read that section of the section 230 of the um, Communication Decency Act of 1996. It says that no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So if I steal your Buffalo Boys, post it, they're not considered the publisher, so they're not committing copyright infringement. I get that. But it doesn't seem to address the issue of vicarious copyright infringement. Right. Okay. And so, so there's two basic kinds of infringement that are not like direct copyright infringement that we think about contributory infringement and vicarious copyright infringement. In other words, you didn't infringe, but you helped the person in such a substantial way that you should be responsible as an infringer as well, right? So contributory infringement is essentially, and I'm just gonna read a quick summary. With knowledge of infringing activity, I posted Buffalo Boys, right? That's infringing activity. This person induces, causes, or material con materially contributes to the infringing conduct or of another, okay? okay? That's contributory copyright infringement. Now, vicarious copyright infringement is um, the you have the right, if you have the right and ability to control the infringing activity, which under 230, they do, right? Yeah. You do have the ability to control the infringing activity. You can stop it, right? Yeah. And then number two, they have direct financial benefit from that activity. Hell yes, right? I mean, they are in the content game. They yeah. need more content that people can click on. So it seems like now let's ignore the fact that there might be a copyright law out there that protects them that Ray and Tom don't know about. Right. We just started thinking about this two hours ago. So if we had like a day, we could search it and find out whether they're going to be held liable. But I did notice there are a bunch of lawsuits pending right now against these social media giants for vicarious copyright infringement liability. Oh, wow. Right. So clearly, and I read a couple of quick complaints in that 70 minutes that I had to prep for this. 
and they're interesting and they're unresolved. And I don't know that both complaints, but there's one, hold on. There's one, which is, let's see, a photographer named Kristen Pearson is suing Twitter um, under for, for essentially copyright infringement, claiming that, so her allegation is this. They t- she told Twitter that there was an infringer and it's somebody named, uh, I forgot the name of the person who's infringing, but somebody posted her for, for, for photographs on Twitter. She sends a notification to Twitter. This person's infringing me. Twitter takes 90 days to take it down. She claims that in that 90 days, she was substantially damaged. And she's saying that they are responsible because essentially they're vicarious infringers. They knew it was infringing. They didn't take it down and they financially benefited from it. Now, I don't know the outcome. I saw the case was filed November 14th, 2017, I think, or sometime in 2017. It might have already been adjudicated, but I don't know the answer to that. But if you think about it, so let's just go back to what this does, you know, what they're doing. They have the right and ability to control the infringing activity, which they do. They could take it down and they get a direct financial benefit from that activity. It sounds like vicarious copyright infringement. And then if you go back to Section 230, it does say that they're not the publisher, but it doesn't seem to discuss whether they're a vicarious copyright infringer. And Section 230 also, again, gives them the right to take it down, you know, basically if they don't, if they even think it's objectionable, right, or filthy. I love the word filthy in there, <laughs> but it's clearly not it's filthy, but it's, a, yeah, it's, it's objectionable. So they could clearly do it. But, but here's the question, okay? Like, here's the issue. How do you solve this problem? Let's say that you're trying to legislate a solution because Social media is here to stay, right? I mean, how much of a burden would it be to have to somehow, regardless of what Tom Tillis says, that you can, if you can do this, you can do that, totally different things. How do you legislate such that social media giants can stay in business and continue to thrive, but also put precautions in place? And what I was thinking is they clearly can't search material. I mean, because keep in mind, copyrights, you don't have to file a copyright registration at the U.S. Copyright Office in order to have a regi- in order to have a copyright. The moment you sing a song and it's recorded, the moment you write a script and it's recorded, film a video, you have copyright protection. You don't need a formal registration. Now you get other benefits from having a formal registration. So it's not like Twitter or Facebook can somehow search the archive at the Copyright Office and compare words that are published or videos that are published on their site because most copyrights probably aren't filed with the Copyright Office, right? Right. So so how do they do that? And what I was thinking is, they might already have this. Number one, they could provide tools for people like Ray who can easily go out and search every day you run an automated search and see if Buffalo Boys is published by somebody. Now Ray has proof, right? Right. Then a mechanism for Ray to submit that to Twitter or Facebook or whoever, which provides a little proof because what if I'm the owner of Buffalo Boys and I've got it up and you send a notice to get me to take it down because you hate me, you know, because you feel like that one day in the bar when we were talking about it, 
It right. was your idea and not my idea, right? Yeah. But so you're just pissed. You don't own it. I, I do totally own it. Totally see that happening. Oh yeah, people, or just an, an you know an angry ex lover or something. I mean, who <laughs> knows what it is, right? right? Or a political rival, whatever. The point is, it, you can't just say, "Oh, I told you," therefore you know it's an infringement because it hasn't been adjudicated yet. So maybe the first step is give Ray tools that Ray can find potential infringers that Ray believes are infringers. Right. Number two, have some kind of an adjudication process. Now it's not a judge, right? Because this is not a legal proceeding, right. but some kind of quasi judicial proceeding. Again, it's a private company. They could take down whatever they want, you know, but if we want to make it fair, they should have like an arbitrator. Maybe, maybe the legislation is that these big giants have to have copyright arbitrators on staff to have rapid hearings so that Ray and Tom can go on Zoom in front of an arbitrator and I can say, look, here's my proof that I came up with it. And then Ray could say, no, we were at that bar. I was on my third beer and I told you this idea. You know, whatever that is so that the arbitrator can then make it more fair. Again, this is not a court proceeding. It's a private company that's kind of got this quasi-government feel to it because it's so big. And so maybe an arbitrator kind of thing would be there. And then, you know, maybe there's so in the legal world, in the real legal world, there's something called a temporary restraining order. And another thing is a preliminary injunction. And I know you've heard of those because we've discussed them. Yeah. Essentially, what we're saying is I want to I want to sue. Ray wants to sue Tom for copyright infringement, but it's going to take years to get through trial. Could take a year and a half, two years, maybe longer. But there's going to be so much damage that you will be irreparably harmed if somebody doesn't take this down now. So you seek what's called a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction, which essentially lets the court stop me from allegedly infringing until the adjudication cycle is complete. Maybe there's something like that, you know, like Twitter. You, if you get this level of proof and the arbitrator, who's kind of like a neutral arbitrator, set, it's kind of like a, a hearing. If they say it's enough, it's kind of like a preliminary injunction. Then you go to try, then you go through the court system. And when the results of the court system come out, if you lose, they get to put it back up. If you win, you know, you get your penalties in the court system. Something like that. But I got to tell you, this is a hard problem to solve. Yeah, I, so I have a question. Um, there's nothing stopping me from, let's say we're both on Twitter, you, you post my movie, Buffalo Boys. Right. There's nothing stopping me from suing you for copyright infringement, correct? Nothing, right, right. absolutely. Just nothing. that happens to be the medium that you use. Right, it, it's almost like the takedown notice is kind of like I say, it's got the flavor of a TRO temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction, that flavor, because you, yes, you can sue me, but you want action quicker because every day you're losing money and, you know, copyright infringement litigation in federal courts doesn't go that quickly. I mean, in the best case scenario, maybe a year and a half or so. Right. Right. So it's, and, and again, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and others, I'm pretty sure they have the right to take it down if they want. Because, uh, you know, what we read in 230 doesn't seem to restrict them from doing so. In fact, 230 gives them the right to take anything they think is filthy down or otherwise objectionable down. So and that, they that, have the right to do it. The only question, though, to me is, 
is it fair, right? Because, I mean, Trump's situation is totally different. He's talking about censorship. We're talking about intellectual property. So there are different questions of fairness. In the Trump case, he's like, is it fair that you're shutting me up when we're in a world of free, or we're in a, we're in a nation of free speech, which, by the way, I totally value. I don't take sides on a lot of things, but if you go down my street with a sign that says short bald men are evil, I will defend your right to do that because that's how much I believe in free speech. But in this case, you know, however that works out, it works out. But getting to the copyright side, is it fair that Ray can tell Twitter to shut my version of Buffalo Boys down with no adjudication? I don't know if it's fair. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. Uh, because with no way of knowing whether or not it truly is uh, copyright infringement or, you know, like you said before, you're trying to get back at your ex for something. Right. Either um, way, it could be a tragic loss. Like if right. you force me to take it down and I really made it, that sucks for me. Because now I got to wait until we go through court or something. Yeah, lose, lose. But if I didn't make it and you did, if you can't take it down, that sucks for you. Yeah. Right. Another interesting thing about this that we haven't really touched on so far is this is one game for the big music, for the music industry, for the big record labels, for uh, for 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 Hollywood, um, for, you know, the, the, the big movie distributors. And, yeah. it's, and it's a totally other game for you know uh mike yare the guy who did our wedding photos you know for my right. wedding yeah for, who has like uh, barely you know, any money right who's just you know he's a small business um you know sole proprietor um they don't have typically the kinds of resources that you need to sue some uh uh you know twitter farm some other company that's just you know republishing stolen content from small players where, you know, it could be uh, a hundred person company uh, in, in China or some other, you know, relatively remote part of the world where totally. it's not as easy to take uh, legal action against. So yeah, you're right. That's a real problem for the little guy. And by the way, the little guy gets screwed in everything, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the legal system is totally stacked against the little guy because expensive. Yeah, because even if you, let's say you're, you're Mike Yar, your wedding photographer, he has a picture that's being stolen by somebody. So he sues Twitter, right? He can't afford to pay a lawyer because who can? So you say, I'll just get a lawyer to take it on a contingency. Great, but you need to find a lawyer who thinks it's a big enough case to take it because they get a third, right? Right. Now, Mike Yar's videos probably aren't going to be worth $10 million, Right. They're probably going to be worth like $300. So no law firm is going to sue Twitter, which will cost them a fortune yep. just to get Mike Yar protected. So the little guy gets screwed. So that's why I like the idea of these takedown notices, because it does give a little leverage to the little guy. But then it doesn't take into account that the little guy might be an ex-lover. Right. You know? And then here's another question. What is a reasonable burden for the tech company to have to endure in order to go through this process. Because exactly, exactly. There's a big company, but they probably can't afford to hire a thousand arbitrators just for this one purpose. I mean, maybe they can, but yeah, is, it, is that- That's reasonable? the balance. 
You know what I'd like to, you know what I'd like to do? Have a conversation with Jack Dorsey about this. Right. You should invite him on the podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I know you're like, a long time listener. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's listening every podcast. And oh. we have like millions of listeners, so it might be good for him. But um, I'd like to ask, you know, it doesn't have to be Jack Dorsey. How much can they afford to do with respect to arbitrators? You know, and, and again, maybe that's not the answer. We only had 70 minutes to prep this, but I'm sure if we had more than 70 minutes, we could come up with some other ideas. But what about all the big brains in Congress, right? Well, an another um, interesting, it was buried in that uh, Tillis letter to Jack Dorsey. Uh, yeah. But, but in there, one of the things that he asked about was if and how, well, it's not, not a question of if, but how Twitter is allowing uh, like back end access to the database to uh, potential victims of infringement to search the platform as to whether or not their content is, is being infringed upon. Um, and it, it seemed, it was indicated in the letter that they are doing that, but they're charging people. But they're charging, right. And, char and uh, uh, at least the accusation is that they're charging um, these you know, exorbitant fees to be able to do that. Right, and, but here's the thing. Yeah, so that, that's what Tillis asked him. How do you get the APIs to access the back end to see if you're infringing? But that still doesn't solve the problem that you might not have created Buffalo Boys. Right. I might have created it, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we. by the way, for the record, we know that you created it. But but the point is, even if I get well, we'll the get tool, you a, we'll get you a, a, a special thanks in the credits. There you go. Yes, exactly. Even though but, we made it like 10 years before we met. but That's right. <laughs> right. But the thing is, so yes, we need the tools. And I, I love that question that Tom Tillis asked, which is how can people like Ray get access to the platform to see if there's infringers? Absolutely. But it doesn't solve the problem. It still doesn't solve it, the problem. It helps it. It mitigates the problem a little because I'll bet you nine times out of 10 or maybe even 95 out of 100, if you are the publisher or you are the owner of it and they are infringing you and if they take it down, it's great. The person who put it up is like, oh crap, it's down. Right. But but I don't know because I don't have any data on that. But it seems like we need the second part. And maybe it's 95 out of 100 times it's taken down. The person who was doing it illegally is like, ah, crap, we lost our revenue source. Let's find another one that we can steal. But 5% of the time or 2% or 1% or whatever, it's wrong. They're not infringing. In those cases, they should be able to send back no. We want our hearing with the Twitter arbitrator or the Facebook arbitrator, which is pre-trial. It's pre. It's it's pre-trial system. It's pre-court system. It's not part of the court system. It's kind of like Twitter trying to be fair. They could take it down, but we want to be fair. So then they don't have to have tens of thousands of arbitrators because it's only the few cases where someone fires back and says. That's my ex-lover trying to screw me out of revenues from my legitimately created work. Right. You know, it's interesting because the conversation about whether or not it is uh, the, these companies are, are are so large that they essentially become quasi government um, institutions. Or yeah, maybe that's a question. Whatever. Right? Yeah, that's a question. It's, it's interesting because, um, you know, even if you're not like, let's say you're Mike Yari and you say, oh, I don't want, I'm not going to use Twitter, right? So let's put this on the, bur the burden on the free marketplace, right? 
I'm not going right. to use Twitter because they're doing this to people like me. And if I use Twitter, they'll be like me. But here's the thing. He's still got a website that people can go to to look at his oh, yeah. Right. And everybody knows how easy it is to just take a photo and put it somewhere else from the website. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have I to decided I wanted to become a wedding photographer, which I've never done before. I could just go to Mike's website, copy all his photos, put them up on Twitter and say, here's an example of my work. Here's yes. my phone number. I yes. Wedding photographer. Yes. And exactly. Mike didn't even, doesn't even have a Twitter account. So yeah, that's right. it's kind of like, even if the free marketplace, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but it doesn't seem like even that can decide, can decide or can prevent this. No. Even no. If you choose not to use it, other people can still steal your stuff and, or use the platform to steal your, you know, to infringe. Yeah, so, so, so maybe the, the conclusion of this podcast is maybe Jack Dorsey calls us and he comes on our podcast and, um, you know, let's have a discussion with him about yeah, it. He, he can provide reassurance and, um, yeah, he can even submit the episode to, uh, Senator Tillis as, you know, evidence that, you know, they're making progress. On yes. And he can even sit right there in your room with you. Hey, you guys could sit right next to each other. You'd be like rubbing shoulders, literally. That'd be good. I'd even come over. We could have like a steak dinner afterward at your house. That'd be good. I think he's vegan. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have a, uh, we'll have a vegan burger because our Tim Banker, our own Tim Banker is a yeah. vegan. So we'll connect with everyone. We could show him the episode of the podcast that we did on the, uh, the incredible burger. Exactly. Way, is it incredible? Right. There's, or- I'm, I'm seeing, yeah, I know, right. Exactly. Yes, I know. By the now, way, if you I'm watch seeing, the podcast, you're getting work. We're making inside jokes that only right. our fans will get. That's right. Point. That's right. So I think what I'm hearing is Jack Dorsey has no reason not to join us. Yeah. I mean, hey, if he hasn't seen Niagara Falls yet, that's that's a reason in and of That's right. We'll take oh. him out and walk down the gorge. Love yeah. it. All right. All right. Well, everyone, I thought this discussion was interesting, and I hope you share the same opinion. And uh, if so, please like, comment, subscribe, share. Um, and uh, tune in next time for Stuff You Should Know About IP.